You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 212 of PHP Ugly. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson. We are a weekly podcast that live streams and sends out to the podcast streams. If you ever are in the mood and you want to catch us live, tune in Thursday nights. We typically start around 9, unless there's a lot of politics going on, and then apparently we start around 9.30. But, you know, <laughs> just pop in. Have a conversation. With me tonight, as always, are my good friends, John Congdon. We record weekly, unless we don't record, and then that goes out the window. We don't talk about that. And my other good friend, Thomas Rideout. Hello. But I just talked about it. I know. I know. But, but it wasn't, it, it was <laughs> fake news. It was, it was not true. <laughs> we, 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 we were, there's a recording from last week, so we're really on 213 is what you're telling me? Yeah. We make our own reality now, John. Don't you? All right. No, let's not go down that path. <laughs> <laughs> Don't pull me in there, man. It's so yeah, easy, many though. things. It really is. Hey, uh, Thomas, I got something for you, brother. Yes. I got, it, I got it in a box and everything. Check it out. If you saw my Twitter stream, you might have already seen it. I got you an elephant, too. Oh. Yep. It's from sweet. PHP Yorkshire. Uh, yeah, Yorkshire. Yorkshire. Yeah. I saw that you yeah. got one. I didn't know you got me one. That's so nice. I got you one, and I got a... a expect, it, expect it when the next batch of Patreon gifts go out. <laughs> so, right, so in like years. three, four years. Yeah. I, I send out once a year. Come on. Give me some credit. It's during during um, uh, the election for Trump's third term. <laughs> How, we, I appreciate we you guys uh, accommodating my absence last week. Uh, my mother had surgery that went very well, but I did have to be out there. There was no two ways about it. So I'm happy to hear you guys are able to carry on the show without me. Oh, wait a minute. You, did, you lazy bastards. I needed a break, man. I knew that this week was going to take it out of me. It really has. <laughs> Trying not to talk about it, but my God, it hasn't taken a minute. Well, I do, have, I do have some things to say about it. Okay, but let's go. not political. I'm pretty sure I made a hard fast rule there, but go ahead. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not <laughs> political. It's not political. We've all been watching a lot of these live-tracked data displays. Um, it seems like a lot of the tools that the... Uh, producers have or that the hosts have for the news shows have all this live tracking built into it plus a bunch of tools that they've been trained on so they know what to pull up and where to point and all that stuff and i was really amazed at the technology behind this whole process because i've got pretty good i've got the country map pulled up and then i can click on each individual state and zoom in and it tells me which counties are there. And then I can zoom into the county and I can see historical voter information. I can see current results, currently turned in ballots, uh, projections, you know, like a huge amount of data is right there at your fingertips. And then they're doing the same thing live on TV where they're pulling up these numbers and just sort of talking about what they see on the screen in front of them. And 
I was mentioning this to a friend of mine. Like, you know, I wonder how they how they data store this, how they host it. You know, what is all, all of this running on? And it turns out he used to work for a news station. And who so, used to work for a news station? The a guy who, who created it? Oh, okay. And so he told me a bit about how they do it. And basically all of this information is some kind of feed, either RSX or SOAP, uh, from Associated Press. And... Associated Press has these run-up practices where they're sending fake data and they have all of these uh, retraction practices or double count practices, uh, just all of these interesting sort of feeds that you can hook into to test out your system in the lead up to the election. Uh, But I tell you, looking at the the systems that they had, I, I don't know if a team of four developers could produce something like that in in a year. Yeah. I mean, it's they're pretty impressive. They're extraordinarily complicated systems. Um, I've been watching uh, CNN, and it's their their little touchscreen map system is fairly complex. And, and the uh, training, yeah. the yeah. training they must go through just for the host to learn how to like where to click and get back that's, to things. That's a big difference from uh, let's say twelve years ago when they first started doing these touchscreen interfaces and the hosts just didn't or the anchors just didn't know how to use them. It was a big joke where they'd say, "Let's go to the giant board and the giant board behind them," and they'd start tapping on it and nothing would happen. And then they they'd go into another corner and the, this this is where the number is. And then the thing they had tapped on the first time pulled up instead of the thing this you know. And it was just a total joke. Uh, and yeah. they had the hologram. Uh, uh, anchors who came in and for some reason back when there was no social distancing they had hologram anchors but now that no one can be in the same studio at the same time we don't have hologram anchors <laughs> but yeah it's it's clear from watching CNN at least that they have spent weeks training on these systems they've spent mm-hmm. weeks you know because they tap on something and they immediately know what the data they're looking for is and how to represent it back to the camera uh, they're mm-hmm. It's it's been very fascinating on a on a technical level. It's yeah, also been I mean, fascinating when they realize, oh, I'm on the wrong screen and know how to get back, you know, right. to where they want to be. Even though they look very similar, they're both like maps of the country. They're like, oh wait, I need to go back here. Right. It's, they they haven't been stumbling across the technology at all, and the technology hasn't really stumbled except for that one time that the Associated Press accidentally added a zero to one of Biden's number counts oh really yeah i didn't see that That that's really bad you'll (laughs) see it all of the uh all of the accusations right now that you'll see online are like well where did a hundred thousand votes come from all of a sudden and they're all for biden what the hell and that's because there was a accidental zero it should have been 1700 votes and it was 170,000 votes and so they they retracted that within minutes, but now on the bar graph of the results, there's this super weird looking spike on Biden's counts, and everyone's pointing at it and saying, "Look, look, they cheated." <laughs> well, including and it was speaking of votes, speaking of votes and, and technology and stuff, did you guys uh, happen to catch that tweet? Uh, I think it was last week now of most popular backend frameworks from 2012 to 2019. And it's just like this graph that's moving. I no. uh, I threw I threw it in Trello. Uh, it's uh it's right up there next discussion in Trello. If you want to click over to it, it's pretty wild uh, to see what a like just massive front runner Rails was back in 2012, and 
like they they it, I'm up to 2014 and there is about 10,000 uh stars difference between that and meteor which which is right behind it and then you know of course everything starts to starts to kind of equalize out and I, you know here we are 2015 Laravel is finally on the map and quickly at like number 4 or 5 Eventually, Laravel will, will get to number one, but Laravel never establishes like the demanding kind of lead that Rails had. I don't know how Rails didn't, looking at this map, or looking at, now, now these are frameworks, so these aren't, Rails it runs on Ruby, so these aren't the underlying language, but it's just amazing to me that PHP frameworks were able to survive that onslaught of Rails in, in the web because it was just insane, insane how much Rails usage was out there. And you know, I've told you guys in the past, I've I dabbled in Rails, and I, I'm not ashamed of it. It's a it's cool. <laughs> I, I I barely glanced at it because when I I moved from Perl to PHP, and right when I was doing that, a good friend of mine went the Ruby route and was telling me, "You have mm-hmm. to check out Ruby. You have to check it out." And I had already started down the PHP path, and I just never went over and looked at it. Mm-hmm. And I guess lucky I didn't, because <laughs> yeah. It, it, well, that was the thing is like uh, all all the you, you know the, the Laravel Laravel people love talking about how they're on top, and it's like that's not what you should be taking away from this. <laughs> like you should understand that that position is you, you don't get to keep that forever. You know, you know they're they're on top. I think this ends like uh, December 2019, and it's like um, like Laravel Flask, which is the which is a Python framework I played around with a little bit. Is there? There's a couple others. I don't even remember what all is on there, but there isn't that much differentiating them between one another, and uh, it's just I don't know. It's it's like okay, yeah, it's a great framework. I think it's a good argument of. If you want to have a professional career in Laravel or professional career as a PHP developer, take up Laravel because uh, it is a front runner. Those 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 applications are going to need support for a very long time. I, I'm you know? I'm I know I upgraded my little microservice up to Laravel eight, and I am mm-hmm. feeling Thomas's pain right now. Where oh come on. Er- Every, every couple of days where you get the the bump PR saying, hey, it's time to bump these packages, when you have a client that is like, what's changed? Is it going to break anything back? Is it backwards compatible? Mm. Yeah, and I get that. when you always say, well, it's a minor version, it should be backwards compatible, but I've heard all the horror stories with Laravel, so I'm always afraid. Yeah. It, it's scary. That that's a real thing. Yeah, I know. I I agree with you. I, I think I think I've established you guys. I mean, it's a good argument, you know. And again, we can we can rehash the whole is it enterprise ready argument again, right? It's like yeah, you know, it's things Wait, like we that. Can? <laughs> is that permission? It's it's things like that where people who actually work in the enterprise or work with systems that are under strict supervision, they it's a pain in the ass to have these updates. I, I mean, when I worked in the enterprise, it literally took a week to push something through change management. Yeah. change management. The change management board meant once a week, all the developers had to have all their proposals in order 
tested, documented to pre- present to change management. Change management would approve it, and then change. You know, then the operations team had to schedule schedule the moves. This is a process, and it's a painful process. Nobody likes the process, but this is a process you you deal with in big companies. And when you're getting peppered with these these updates constantly, and it's not only Laravel, right? It's if you run a composer update, half your packages have updates out there. And and those aren't as easily documented as the Laravel upgrades are. You're lucky if they're all documented. Same holds true with NPM as well. Yeah. Luckily I don't deal with, with NPM much with, with all the composer ones. That's where I really like the, that I forget what the bump, what's the package called where it's checking your composer, your libraries all the time for you. On GitHub, I just call them bump PRs because that's what they are. Yeah, the bot. I forget what the bot's called, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So every time one of those comes in, the first thing I do, and I really like, they have a link to go look at the difference the, on GitHub between the version you're on and the version you're going up to. And I usually am able to scan those usually fairly quickly to see if what has changed. Yeah. Well. I don't know. But it is a it's, pain. To me, it's just a pain in the ass. Um, I I did a Laravelite update on one of my systems this week and was ready to roll it out today and did a composer update and I got the newest version of 8 again for this week. <laughs> now it's got to go through testing again. And it's... I mean, yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, you could always just let things pile up for a month, you know, kind of document it all and then just do it all. But, but you run into the same problem. Or you can have tests where you cover mo- almost all of your code and pray that covers you in with the updates. That's the one thing that I that I was able to do with this upgrade to eight was have testing around almost all of my code. I'd love to be able to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I got I got to get on the testing bandwagon with you. I, I I I'm on it. I agree with you, but I don't practice it. Testing just shows how many more bugs you have. Without testing, <laughs> we don't have bugs. <laughs> We have unresolved features. That's right. We don't, we, don't, we, don't, we only have bugs because we're testing. We shouldn't be testing so much. Yes. I think, again, directly from our administration, less testing, less problems. Very simple. Stop the testing. Stop it. Oh, man. You guys just couldn't uh, help yourself. Composer Composer 2? Have you, you tried it yet? Composer 2 yet? I have not. Yes. I have not tried it. It's pretty cool. What's, yeah. What's, it's it's fast. just faster, right? Crazy fast. Faster, better interface, or... You know, it's prettier as it's trying to install things. It's just, it's pretty. It's a good, it's prettier, prettier output. <laughs> yeah, I actually went to, uh, I went to upgrade it with Composer self update, and uh, it turned out I must have installed Composer through a package on uh, my Linux system, and it wouldn't update that way. Which I don't know why, but it just wouldn't. So I need to, uh, I need Should to be. probably pull that out. Should just be sudo composer uh, self update double dash two. Yeah, I tried. That's what I tried. It, it wouldn't take uh, because, well, first thing it said self update wasn't even a command. <laughs> um, so I'll, uh, I'll share that with you. But yeah, I, I want to get on it. No, no break. I mean, there's nothing to think about with it, right? It doesn't break anything, does it? Or does it? It does. Oh, it does. Yes. To share. Uh, PSR 0, uh, it no longer supports the old style uh, PSR 0 auto complete or auto finding. Mm. Oh, wonder why they removed that. 
Uh, I believe because it was slowing down the total, uh, the 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 general namespace. I think PSR zero got deprecated, and they just they're sticking with it and saying we don't want to support something that's deprecated and old, and we don't want to promote its use. And it screws with coding styles. Mm-hmm. So I'm fine with that. Like, and I'm not I, affected by it. I believe that PHP 7.4, or no, I believe PHP 8 doesn't support the PSR 0 namespaces. It has to have a leading slash and all sorts of special specific rules. Well, the, the, the PSR 0, that auto loading wasn't a PHP thing. So no. PHP can't deprecate it. Um, but the way that PHP resolves namespaces didn't require a leading slash, and PSR0 didn't require a leading slash, and now it does. Uh, also, PSR0 has been deprecated for six years. Hmm. So, you, you say it's it, uh, been a while. It was, it was dash dash two or just dash two? Dash dash yes. two. See, mine, say, mine says command self update is not defined. Huh, I don't know. Maybe if you do install it through. Apps. Yeah, Maybe I think I think can't. I'm gonna check that right now and see if that's what. Yeah, I, did. I think I yes. I think I'd use wget for it. Yeah, probably yeah. should. Yes. Yeah, um. Normal way. Yeah, that's exactly what I did. I I I installed it through app get. So I just I'll just roll that out and do it the normal way. I think another change in uh, Composer two is that it uh, multi-threads downloading packages. That's one of the reasons why it's faster. Oh um, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, and yeah, it's got improved nice. parsing of dependencies and sub-dependencies, so it knows what to get faster as well. Mm-hmm. John, I want to pick on you a little bit. Well, first thing, I, I, I want to congratulate you. You're, you're rocking the System76 machine now, aren't you? I am. How are you liking it? I like it a lot, for the most part, except for I Skype. Like Skype is... Skype is garbage, but it was. To be fair, it was garbage on Mac too. But it's very fair, yeah. But Zoom it works is better. The only time I use Skype is for the show, man. Well, I actually, I actually communicate with a f- couple people through Skype. The only only place I use audio video is the show, and Zoom is supposed to be making it so that you can use Zoom with OBS. But I don't know if that's actually going to happen. But yeah, I've, I've, I feel I've that seen articles where people have made it work. I think, but well, I think yeah, making can, it official. Yeah, you can make it work as basically like you're sharing the screen, where we would all just be on the Zoom call, not as individual feeds that Thomas has you use, you know, to manipulate. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so so supposedly they were supposed to. My understanding is that they were going to release it so that you could but i don't know i don't know if that's actually they're happen. probably more focused on schools right now they let them get through that they'll figure their their next steps which might be ndi yeah now about how much is a system 76 desktop like that like two uh, three hundred bucks yeah it ranges i mean they have the little like mac mini versions that are like three or four hundred bucks to like the big megas, I you, you can max it out at like not that I've done this recently, eighty four thousand three hundred and sixty five dollars <laughs> around there. Uh, that's if you got four uh, GPUs, couple of uh, CPUs. You know they've got a whole range. Um, not even getting into the servers. So that's that's interesting because I'm looking at a computer right now that <clears throat> interests me a lot uh, called the Raspberry Pi four hundred. I tried ordering one of them. Couldn't get it. Couldn't get it. 70 bucks, man. Can't beat it. A complete... Have you seen this, John? I have not. It's a complete Raspberry Pi built in a keyboard. This is coming from the Raspberry Pi Foundation. So it's not... Somebody didn't take an existing Pi 4 
sticking in a keyboard and, and do anything. This is a it's a different different uh, board that's built into the the keyboard. You need to think about picking one of these up for your kids, man. I'm telling you, it's uh, it's a nifty little thing. Oh wait, what are you looking at that it has a pre order there, Thomas? Spark fun. I, I was trying to go through. Um, I was trying to support. Uh, what's the fruit? Uh, Adafruit. Adafruit. Yeah, Adafruit. Yeah, I try to support her and her company so i usually order all my raspberry stuff through her uh through through that company but they uh they don't have these in or didn't have them yesterday or today so but yeah they they say they're going to have them available in time for christmas so i'm i'm on the waiting list i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna pick one up i love this this sort of thing but uh yeah, I think it's cool. I I keep mine running. Like mine is uh, you can't see it, but mine is behind me. I keep it always running. It actually is running CouchDB that's syncing to other CouchDBs. So I always have a current version of CouchDB. So like when I went to Arizona last week, I popped that off, threw it in my bag. I can thanks to John, I can actually live off that in my iPad if I have to. Uh but I have a I always have a current version of some projects I'm working on that have CouchDB associated with them. I have them syncing to my little Raspberry Pi and I can just take it with me. I enjoy it. But then you have to remember to take it with you. I mean, I just, I've never, I've never had a Raspberry Pi, so I don't know all the, the benefits of it. It's basically just a Linux PC with a, a SD card in it or a micro SD card in it, ethernet, Wi-Fi. USB three and that's it. I tell you, the Pi four, the being able to connect it directly to the iPad, and I have the iPad Pro with one of the nice keyboards. Huge game changer. Like, I feel pretty confident if I were to leave with just those two things, I would be fine. Even without, even without internet connection. Like, if I couldn't connect to a server or something, I just you know hook it up, hook up the Raspberry Pi. I have my them i have my repos and i just do, 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 do. i've been thinking about writing a script that will go through all the repos i'm working on and make sure it does a, you know pulls down all of the branches every night and i haven't gone that far yet because quite frankly haven't been have been traveling a lot <laughs> but but yeah with with the little raspberry pi you basically have an entire linux system and you take your ipad hook it up and you're off and running man it's Pretty slick. I'm pretty happy with it. Now, with that said, I did take my laptop with me to Arizona because I was going to be there for five, five, six days. So um, I wanted to, you know, have a system with me. But like conference, like when I go to a conference, if I ever go to a conference again, you're probably going to see me walking around with just my iPad, and I'll have the Pi with me if I need it. But yeah, man, to, good stuff. Trying to see what the display. What display port it has, but I'm not seeing HDMI. That. It's, I'm no. not seeing HDMI port on there. Oh, it's it's, it's the it's the micro HDMI. It's, yes. Oh, okay. Um, I have yeah. four of those cables because when I was trying to diagnose my broken Raspberry Pi, I believed that that was the issue. It was not. <laughs> but honestly, John, I don't I don't even have it hooked up to display. It's just like a terminal to me. I yeah. Mean, it's, so so with. But if USB you're going to give it to a kid to do something, they're going to want it hooked up to a screen yeah yeah absolutely and i believe and like the keyboard for sure i believe you can hook it up to an ipad as the screen right well no it's not the screen what what i do 
is through a USB-C cable. My iPad charges my Pi, and then there, there's you, you go through a configuration that creates a uh, a a network connection through the USB cable, so that it talks directly to the Pi through the USB cable over SSH. Hmm. So you don't, it, it doesn't. The Pi itself doesn't need to be on any network or anything. It just communicates through the iPad. I think he's saying for this Pi 400, you could connect it to an iPad as a screen. I believe the iPad has an HDMI-in mode that you can run it in. What? That's insane. Well, that makes sense because you can use the iPad as a second screen on a Mac. I mean, that's that's what's it called? Sidecar or something like that. It's it's a feature built in the OS now. You just say, hey, sidecar. And it doesn't... The, the iPad actually doesn't even have to be physic- physically connected. If it's on the same network, it'll work as well. But it's a little little laggier that way. But yeah, it's uh, it, the iPad definitely has the functionality for that. Yeah, and if not, there's VNC and all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we talked last week about... No, I'm we sorry, not last, last week. week at all. Last time we spoke, excuse me. That's all right. About HTTP3, and we were speculating a lot about what it was, and I hadn't read anything, and you guys hadn't used it at all, and I spent four hours reading about HTTP3 last week, and it's very interesting. What would be interesting about it? So... As when we think of HTTP, we think about TCP/IP connections, and we just sort of don't think about TCP/IP anymore past that. HTTP three does not use TCP. Really? What? Are you sure? Yes, mm. because it's all about streams, right? It's that's the big thing with it. It's all about connection times, floating IP addresses, uh, multiple connections from. The same location of multicasting, uh, performance on a per packet basis, uh, error correction or lack thereof, and things like that. So when you read through the history of how we got to HTTP2, things make a lot of sense. Um, where we didn't have the ability to do SSL, we added SSL. We didn't have the ability to do <gasps> streaming video, things like that. We added it in. Um, it's using UDP. It is UDP using packages. UDP. Uh, more specifically, it's using something called QUIC, Q-U-I-K, uh, and... Q-U-I-C? Or, sorry, Q-U-I-C. Um, and what they've done is they've reinvented the overhead that's in TCP for UDP connections so that something can say, I was expecting this packet and didn't get it. Um, now, in HTTP2, you could accept parts of a file before previous parts of the file had been accepted. Um, So there was this idea that you could multiplex video streams like that. Uh, But in practice, it never really worked out. The way that this works is that there is no inherent order to the packets. You just get them when you get them. Um, And the place where this makes the most sense is video streaming, video game streaming, audio streaming, Stuff where if a packet blips out, you don't want to buffer the entire video until that packet gets resent and re-accepted. You just want to blip over that pixel that got skipped. You don't care. Um, so yeah, it's it's a complete reinvention of how browsers and web servers communicate to each other. Well, and this article which will be in the show notes. If you listen to the show and you weren't aware, uh, we do publish a podcast audio only stream. And in that we have, we typically have all the links that we 
talk about on the show in there. So that's you'll hear us refer to the Trello board a lot. That's typically what we're talking about, links that we're queuing up for show notes. So our show notes aren't really notes as much as they are resources. Yeah. I've, I've um, heard complaints about how sparse the notes are. So, Oh, have you? Have you, I sir? have. I have. The- I take personal offense to that. <laughs> but but back back on track, Thomas. Yeah. One of the things this article brings up is that very point about how T- TCP is so prominent and like every router knows how to manage and handle TCP that this is probably going to be a fairly large impact and take a long time to get adoption on. And it does it does speculate on that, but it also brings up the point that there have been protocol changes in the past that that went smoother than expected. Um, and that this is something that is going to affect corporate firewall policy more than mm. anything else. Uh, the home gamer already has UDP open on his machine, um, but corporate policies often block UDP for security reasons mm-hmm. or just, just not even security reasons, annoyance reasons, because mm-hmm. UDP is not necessary in a corporate environment in many cases. And so even bothering having it is just going to be a pain in your ass. Um, what it does bring up, if you go all the way to the bottom of the article, is that there are some serious issues. Uh I'll quote the article here and then go over it. The ability to revive connections from a client-side cache opens the protocol to a replay attack. In certain situations, a malicious attacker can resend previously captured packets that will be interpreted by a server as valid and coming from a victim. Many web servers like those serving static content would not be harmed by such an attack. Applications for which the attack scenario is valid must remember to disable the zero RTT feature. So there is some configuration stuff where a replay attack could send false information. Uh, For example, if you were sending a password form reset, I could capture your password reset and then resend it as a, a replay of just the pure packets because TCP was doing validation of packet numbering previously and now the server is responsible for packet numbering. So my guess is we'll see a 3.1 pretty soon that resolves this kind of issue. And by pretty soon, I mean five years. Uh, but it is it is a big step for what we consider the internet to be now, which is video, video games, audio streams, Netflix, you know, Apple uh, TV, that stuff. It was unimagined 15, 20 years ago when we were previously designing these protocols. And now it's the standard. Now it's what we do every day. Most of our data in and out is YouTube videos while we're working or music, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a big step forward. Uh, it's been in development for a very long time. And the reason it comes up now is that the newest builds of Chrome have uh, quick or HTTP three enabled by default. And you're going to see this more and more. And the web servers that do support it support it in a fallback mode. So if you don't have HTTP three, it'll just use HTTP two. But the big player in the rollout of all of this has been Facebook. Uh, for for Instagram to be able to cut thirty percent off of their traffic daily, they save a huge amount of money. Mm-hmm. So they've been pushing it on Instagram through the application on your phone and have been using it without really saying anything. They've just been doing it as testing. Hmm. 
So it's been in the wild for a while. People just haven't known it. Mm, interesting. So Thomas, we talked a little bit about Trello. I noticed you have the new features coming in PHP 8. Do you have anything you want to talk about? Here? Oh my God, so much. Is this my oh, show today? Yeah. This is a PHP show. So yeah, it can be your show. Uh, union types. Uh, previously, that one. previously, we only supported uh, a variable being one type or any type. Now for, it can for be. For listeners watching the podcast, can you share your browser yes but then my screen stops scrolling so you have to understand that while i'm doing this you can't complain that it looks like obs froze thomas obs froze all right go ahead i I won't say anything i promise i'll I'll scroll my i'll scroll my own screen so union types uh previously if you declared a number an integer it couldn't be anything other than an integer and now you can declare it be an integer or a float or a string uh, that's a union type. Weak maps, I'm going to skip over because I'm going to get to that later. Uh, value error exceptions. Uh, this is a strict type, a strict mode exception for trying to improperly override a type on a variable. Uh, this is part of PHP 8's revamp of exceptions altogether. Uh, PHP is taking a new look at how exceptions are thrown and handled and what can be done with them, uh, allowing variadic argument when overwriting functions. Next. What? <laughs> what uh, is that? Everything. I'm looking at the. So the cool so, thing, again, it'll be in the show notes. This link that Thomas is sharing has some pretty cool examples that you can actually play with the code and run it again right there in the browser. Uh, it's pretty pretty neat yeah so um that's laravel it's laravel playground just gonna point that out to you guys just just so you know go ahead uh, a variadic argument is when you have dot 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 and then a variable in your function definition uh which means that you can have any number of arguments into that function and they'll be uh put in place as an array in the variable that you define <clears throat> um oh, interesting previously if you were overwriting a function uh, you had to keep the signature exactly the same. If So if it had three right. arguments, you had to have three arguments and they had to be the same type. Um, variadic argument overwriting means that you can replace three or four arguments with just dot, dot, dot variable. And as long as the usage matches the typing, you're good. Uh, if not, then it'll actually throw a value error. That wait, is... Wait, what do you mean the usage? Cool. As long as when you call it, the the types of the variables being passed into the method match the original types being passed into even if you're what's not, being overridden. Even if you're not calling the parent function, it still needs to match? That doesn't make sense. Then what's the point of, of being able to do this? I don't understand how this is working either. Like how's it well, how's it knowing which which value which variable to assign the value to? It's not. So you're getting an array now of variables that's what the dot 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 does is it takes all of the variables that are passed in afterwards mm-hmm. and makes it an array yes so and this example i can't tell you how the type thing works or doesn't work because i don't understand it by how i'm reading it yeah i don't i could see doing this where i've overridden methods in the past where i don't need the last one or two parameters i'm Whatever I'm doing in that mm-hmm. function at that moment, I'm I'm overriding it and don't care about those. So I can see dot 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 junk or you know I don't care. Uh, but having to for it to check the the method signature above it, I 
that seems weird to me because you're getting an array at that point. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, okay. I'll look into well, it. I'll we, look held, into it. We, held you up. no, we held you up on that one. No, go ahead. We held you up on that one. Go ahead. Static return type. Uh, you can now define the return type of a function as being static. This is going to be hmm. used everywhere in frameworks. You're going to see it all over the place. Um, everything that uses the factory pattern is going to be rewritten to include the static reference. So you get what's the benefit of that. that? Uh, it just tells the IDE and the compiler that uh, this function will return itself, the object itself. Gotcha. So you can chain uh, methods using this. Gotcha. You can only do it with self, but static is late static binding. So depending on how things are extended. I'm sorry, you're right. Yeah, you're right. When you're extending uh, pass, when you're extending an object multiple levels, static will return not the parent but whatever you, wherever you're at at that point versus if you did right. self it's going to be whatever if c extends b extends a self will always return c if that's yeah, what you instantiated it, even if you're in b or a at that moment yeah uh class name on or vice versa i could, class, I could have that backwards class name literal on object it previously if you if you statically call uh class on a a class so user colon colon class it would return the object name uh you can now use that with instantiated objects as well that's cool instead instead of having to get the class of it first right Mm -hmm. uh the place where this is going to be useful is previously you had to use the get class method Mm -hmm. uh this just cleans things up a little bit and helps with polymorphic switches and things like that i actually just you actually turned me onto that thomas i just used that on a project Get class. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, variable cool. syntax tweaks. New and instance of can now be used with arbitrary expressions. Uh, mm-hmm. This is just a way that things have to be in, had to be encapsulated. Um, so when you wanted to immediately call a method of a new object, you had to do it in a specific way. This just gives you some new tweaks to that functionality. This is interesting. Stringable. Stringable. Interface. This is a big boy. Okay. Explain. This is an automatic interface assigned to any object that implements the toString method. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is stringable will now be a valid way of seeing if something knows how to return a string. Um, this is another one of those things where you can have classes that get 10 levels deep or whatever into new objects and new objects and new objects, and then you don't know if it's going to be stringable, so you can just do a check. Um, hmm. you can check where the, the, the closest stringable object to where you are is, uh, you'll see this probably a lot in APIs that do serialization of objects. Um, and it's just a helper for more framework developers. Uh, but it does because get us- technically you could have done method, method exist underscore underscore to string. Right. Um, and the, you can use magic methods too. You can, you can use all sorts of stuff, but this is just another, another nice, Nice tool in the toolbox. Uh, traits can now just define abstract private methods. Uh, another tool in the toolbox doesn't really mean anything to the average PHP developer, but yeah, you can have abstract privates. <laughs> I got to take it for that once. Thank you. Uh, throw can be used as an expression. Um, I don't use... My, my programming style is not exception-based. My programming style is if-then based mm. um Sorry there are there are some programming styles that use 
exceptions as their basic checks for if uh, this oh, is this. I see where it's it's helpful for the turn area and Elvis. Right. Area. So you can okay. now you can now throw sense. exceptions in more places. Um, yeah, but I won't I won't use this. This is just a very particular coding style. I bet you. Uh, I bet you end up using it. I, I would use this. He, he won't use it if he doesn't throw many exceptions. Where I I use exceptions all the time. Right. Mm. And my yeah my style is is instead of checking for exceptions, check for values, value states. Yeah, I, I'm very I'm very much of the mindset that a method should return a very specific type. It should return. And it should return a valid either yes. object or a valid value, yeah. not hey, it should return an object or null or an object right. or so false. In in this in that way, this ties back into how PHP is becoming a more strict language. Hmm. Uh, optional trailing comma in parameter lists. This one is going hmm. to make a ton of code not backwards compatible, and it's not going to be a problem for me because I love this. I'll be using it everywhere, and I don't care. Yep, me too. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think John had the best argument for, for this. That when you uh, if you if you were to add to the bottom of, of an array, now you can just copy and paste from a line above, and you don't have to add a comma, yeah. add a line, add your add your value. Yeah, yeah it also makes it make it also makes your PRs cleaner because now you're adding a single line versus adding a comma and the an, and line. a line. Yeah, yeah, right. it, it's it's stupid, but it it is something. Especially once you well, start. It's not proper English. Let's it. just put that out there. But okay, we're okay with it. Uh, we're not writing English anyway. Catching exceptions without storing it in a variable. Right now, when we throw an That's exception, nice. we have to catch it in a variable. Now you no longer have to. You can just catch the exception and say there was an exception. Uh, added support for mixed type. The mixed type uh, is equivalent to array, bool, callable, int, float, null, object, resource, or string. So basically oh, anything. No, because okay. because support for <laughs> supporting for a mixed type means that the just-in-time compiler, which is also part of PHP 8, can actually properly cache the definition of the function instead of having to redefine the function every execution. Uh, so the way the just-in-time compiler works is if it's a strictly typed piece of code, it dedicates it to a longer term cache than if it's a loosely typed piece of code. In order to be properly cached, it has to be, or in order to be long term cached, it has to be strictly typed and defined. So you have to say everything has an expected input value and an output value. And you have to adhere to those rules in your code or else you throw a fatal exception. Uh, So if you're taking an existing project and you want to bring it up to date, Instead of going line by line and defining this is an int, this is a string, this is I don't know, I don't remember, you start with mixed on all your values and move from there. Uh, Mixed is not going to be as performant for just in time, but it will be better than nothing. And it will allow you to maintain strict typing on all of your application files. So no, you're wrong. Freaking Thomas came prepared on this one, man. I like it. Just like you give me a week off, I'll read everything. <laughs> um, so this is a, this is another big one, right? Added support for attributes. Yes, and we're not going to get too far into it. It's actually four different RFCs. We've talked about why in the past, but it will allow framework developers to build attribute-based functionality into their framework support. No one has done it yet. 
Uh, I believe some people are already proposing where they want it, but it's just right now, it's just a functionality that hasn't been implemented by the end community. I, th- I think this is going to, this is going to be big in the framework. Mm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, constructor D prop constructor property for promotion. It's just a new shorthand syntax for constructors. Um, it means that when your constructor defines a variable, it gets automatically included as this variable in strictly typed classes. Huh. So nice. In your constructor, normally I would have to pass in user ID and page, and then I'd have to say this user ID equals user ID, this page equals page. Now I don't have to do that. That'll be very nice. Although it's it's more magic and but it's all, most of my constructors are, are that way anyway, so it will be a nice shorthand. Yeah, and it, it adheres to what many other programming languages, I believe Java does, which is that passing it into the constructor means you want it. You want it to be available. So uh, match expression. This is a short switch statement. Uh, that's really all there is to it. It doesn't support breaks. It just returns the first matching value. That's why it's called match. So this this is kind of a, a replace, not a replacement, but it, kind of the same functionality as a case, but a little better. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did see a. I think you can even do this example doesn't show it, but I thought I I read you even do multiple matches on one line. So like on this one. It could be zero comma one for foo, and you can actually remove bar. And then if I if I match one now, let me actually try that. I'm gonna try this whole interface now, see if it works. Let me see if that works. If I run that, it should still it should return foo now, and it did. Yeah, so you can actually you can actually add multiple matches on one line. So all I did is I did zero. I moved it was zero foo one bar two baz. And I just did zero comma one to foo, and it matched. So it's pretty nifty, pretty nifty. So yeah, it, and and that's meant to to address that fall through that we talked about in case statements where you say, oh, I want zero to match, but then you know, actually, I guess that's not the same as a fall through. No, no, it's not. Yeah. It's the it's, yeah, it's you don't have to have those breaks. Yeah, where where if you accidentally forgot a break, you fell kept through running. You kept running code whether you wanted to or not. But this is also also supposed to be much shorter. Where with switch statements, for sure. yeah. yeah, with switch statements, it's you know you have big blocks of code in there if you want. I like this. Uh, I like this site, man. This is fun to play with these things. Yeah. Uh, the thing about match, which whether or not you use it, if you use Laravel, you're screwed. How's this? Oh, because <laughs> we have a match already. Yes, Laravel has a match class and. Match is a new reserved keyword. Um, if you are using sure match in it. your class names, it will stop working. It's fine. We, we come out with weekly releases. We'll update that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, null safe operator. This is currently highly debated in the uh, internals group, uh, but it is accepted currently in its current state for eight. And it simply allows you to chain objects without worrying about getting a null value so or a, I'm sorry, was, a reference on null value. This is one of the ones I was confused on. If, if you, if there is a null value, does it null out that whole, yes. like in this scenario, mm-hmm. all of country get, returns null because uh, ISO code is, is null, right? Yeah. So well, get, no, get address is null. Get address doesn't return. Oh, yeah. Anything. Get, yeah. Get address so, would be null too. Yeah. So, Previously, that would have been an error. 
Yeah, so previously it, when you called country, it would say trying to call property of non-object. Trying to call you you were trying to call country on a null object. Right. Um now you can do this. I hate it. It's like bringing it's like bringing the and the the at symbol back to PHP. Yeah, it kind of suppresses the error, well, right? It it does and it doesn't because without that you would have to say address equals user get address if not if address is not null then country equals address country if country is not mm-hmm. null then do the get iso oh i see what you're saying so yeah there is a legitimate there is a legitimate use case for it right. where it would be Insta- null oh Instead i didn't realize checking that each piece of the chain you're just checking it at the end yeah that's tough yeah so if i, I go know. in here and i say return return test and run that will it return test shouldn't it should be null the whole point is the whole point is if you would have gotten error calling uh method country on null or whatever that is you now just get a null back because you told php i know this might be null i'm okay with that just give me null if this isn't an object and i I can definitely see use cases for this in data stores but uh i will be reading further into the intricacies of this for next week I mean, actually, that's a perfect example, like a Git address. If your address is broken up by street, city, state, you can say, okay, give me an address if all these fields are populated. If they're not, then return null. Uh, it, 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 it feels like adding a code smell. It, no, it, mm. it, well, when you, when you start doing this chaining is where it's beneficial. Again, are you re- do you really want to check every step of the way to make sure you're getting back data Mm. do you go from one line to you know three or four if statements as you're checking to make sure that you're getting back objects well no but doesn't wouldn't a a a double question mark also do the same thing no because because you are getting i think it's a fatal exception when you try calling a method on a null because the it's not an object no double question mark does the same thing i think you're full of baloney i just tested it (laughs) <laughs> Double question mark null returns null. Right. But it doesn't throw an exception on country or ISO code, even though it's right there. So you removed all the question marks is what you're saying? Yeah. So it's a code smell. Moving on. <laughs> the last one. That's the big one. That's for last. This is the interesting one. This is the fascinating one. And it doesn't currently execute on the site. Uh-oh. You're right. What the hell? Named arguments yeah it's broken on the site which is weird so it is broken on the site not sure why um oh well i don't care uh it allows you to set your arguments in any order as long as you name them matching oh i know why it doesn't because there's no num there's no num anymore backwards compatibility fail (laughs) finish explaining what it is thomas uh it's you can name arguments in in any order, as long as the name colon the value in your definition matches the definition of the method. Uh, right. So I got to find out what the... It, I, I, still, I still see it in there. Really? Start index. In PHP, PHP 8? Well, it's no it longer have... number. It is now count. That count. was changed this week. So a whole so new way for count? backwards compatibility to fail, renaming values. And Thomas is right. No, I, maybe that's. I don't see that on, on PHP.net. Yeah. My uh, my array fill did not. Oh, he's not. It doesn't return anything. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so it yeah, works. He's right. So the, the 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 value the the 
the second argument for Ray Phil was changed from num to count this week, causing a backwards compatibility failure. That's to going tw- to be a problem. Need a tweet to Marcel to let him know to update his uh, his website here. That's a but this is a oh. This is indicative of a much bigger problem because if if there's someone out there who's using named arguments for everything and but you can't you can't be you can't be using it unless you're on PHP eight if you're using it on PHP but he's say, you're he's using saying account. it's a it's a future fail if you start using named arguments now in PHP eight in That's the future they change count back to num backwards breaking right so now something that wasn't That's backwards very breaking. Valid. That's something that hard, wasn't man. backwards breaking is now backwards breaking as was just shown in this example. And the second so, yeah, argument you, was renamed and you would never know that until it threw an exception that that named argument didn't exist. And, and Laravel is not written for named arguments. It doesn't have to be have test named. You, have test, you don't have to worry about it. Well, you're going to have to test every method now as a named argument. Yeah. I, that's valid. I mean, or just don't use named fu- arguments. You're good. It's a future issue. Yeah, you know that's very valid, John. I was very excited about that until you freaking said that, you bastard. Well, I didn't say it. Thomas said it. I just clarified what he said. Right. I don't think Thomas knew what he was saying, but yes, I knew exactly both, what I was saying. That this broke freak just freaked me out, man. Between Laravel <laughs> eight eleven well, and eight twelve or it, whatever we're on backwards compatibility broke. Break. It didn't. Break. Right? It did. It throws an exception. Eight. Eight's not, Wait, is eight's it re- not released yet. Right, but this is a new thing you have to look out for. This previously would not have thrown an error, and now it does. Right. That, that, that's it, the point. It's it's not breaking now. It's it's a possible future break, like John said. Is this a yes? That's well. What, is this a Ray Phil a Laravel thing or a PHP? Yes. This is a uh no. PHP has an array. PHP thing. This is a right. standard eight. Okay, so this must have changed with the that's latest release of eight then. That's what I'm confused about because it's not in the documentation on PHP for array fill. You're looking at eight. I'm looking. I'm at, just looking at PHP documentation. Yeah. See, if you look at it, that's ju- that's just up to PHP seven. You've got to look at the documentation for PHP eight. I, I see. Okay. Well, so I they see must have be here. They must have changed it in the standard. Right. So that that was my argument. It's not a backwards breaking change. Because, this isn't a Laravel but, issue then. No, it's not. Definitely not a Laravel issue. It will it will lead but, to a new type of backwards breaking compatibility. Exactly. Yes. You and you and John had the point of if, for example, it is changed in the future and you have used name arguments, you're screwed now. So why would you yeah. use name arguments? It. I mean, it does well. I, you can. You can put things in the order that makes sense to you. It I also, get it, but it's a risk. Instead, right? But also, if you, instead of just having numbers like zero, comma, hundred, comma, fifty, where you don't know what they are, by putting the named arguments in there, it kind of does that for you. But if you use an IDE like PHP Storm, you can have that already anyway, and you're good to go. And you don't inherit the risk, right? So yeah, I mean that that's a huge problem for me, man. You guys just ruined what I thought was going to be the coolest feature of PHP eight, and I, now I'm never going to use it because I 100 percent never going to use it now because it means things will break arbitrarily because people aren't paying attention mm-hmm. or, or think, um, you know oh oh I called this you know a group guide it should be group guides and you know it's just right, something right. simple like that Every i'm still confused change, on the mill safe operator okay so i will we, add that to my research on, i will add that to my God research lift list <laughs> i think the, i think the fact that you're confused is the reason it's currently under a lot of 
argument in the internals. If John's confused, there are issues of must. Thomas blew my mind with you. You can just use the null coalescing already. You don't need the mm-hmm. null right. safe. Uh, and, and it's cleaner. You don't have those weird question marks in the middle of your <laughs> syntax. Which I thought for broken, sure, right? Which are ba- yeah, which are backwards compatible breaking as well. It, you right. look at that. That doesn't even look like good code. But I don't know. I felt that I felt that same way with the uh, with the annotation, and it's starting to grow on me finally. So. Let me uh, let me research further into it, and we'll get we'll get into it next week because I can't believe that. But we're we're at like an hour and twenty. No, we're we're, we're we took we're not twenty at minutes yet. Yeah, we took twenty minutes just to get the damn show going. <laughs> But this was a good this was a good deep dive into PHP eight, Thomas. God, thank you. Damn, I did my research, and you, and you skipped over one that you said you were going to go back to weak maps. Uh, oh, that's going to be next week. Go weak maps is its week. own it's its own entire beast. Um, weak maps and attributes are the big changes, um, and and I can roughly say that that weak maps are a new method of garbage collection, uh, so that pointers to invalid objects now get garbage collected immediately versus getting garbage collected when the next sweep comes through and checks for unused variables it it's gonna be a big deal in long-running processes and uh node style uh web sockets stuff um because it does garbage collection cleanup completely different than the rest of php and i don't understand it yet i just sort of get the gist of the purpose of it uh but we'll get into it when i when i've read more next week all right sounds good eric and i uh i'm gonna move us on we've talked a lot about php so we should stop Uh, (laughs) eric and i a couple weeks ago we we recorded the php podcast and in there we were, were reminded about the open sourcing mental illness survey which is currently open mm-hmm. and they you know highly recommend everyone to go take the survey and especially this year trying to get as much data as possible uh will be beneficial especially in seeing how how people are reacting to current stressors in their lives i can't That's think of any stressors what's the url what there osmihelp.org o s m i help.org slash research. All righty. So, and it will be in the lame show notes as I've been told, <laughs> as I interpreted John's complaint. It wasn't my complaint. <laughs> Listeners complaints. I love the fact that you put the links in there. Thank you, Eric, for all your hard work. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Did uh, we talk about, did we talk about Faker? Uh, that it was going away and Laravel picked it up. I don't think we did actually. So not Laravel, but uh, Tyler, Taylor, whatever his name is. Atwell? Uh, yes, Taylor Atwell picked it up personally. Um, in Packagist, it's still marked as abandoned, and it does not have a recommended replacement. Um, but because the namespace on it is just slash faker, uh, you can go to github.com slash faker, php slash faker, and that is the new officially supported by Taylor version of faker. Do you want to give a little backstory? Because we kind of we kind of broke that one. I don't know if I have any backstory on that. I know that the guy just considered it done. Yeah, so, so the maintainer of faker decided he was done done supporting faker if if you're in the laravel world you use faker pretty heavily so he's outside just, of laravel 
all the time. We don't care. There's no outside of Laravel, John. You you you'll learn to embrace the Laravel way here soon. Don't worry about it. Uh, but you use Faker. You use Faker a lot, and the maintainer just basically said, "Listen, I you know I don't know if he decided that he didn't want to do any more work on it. He didn't have time. I, I don't know the whole backstory, but he announced that he was w- stepping away from maintaining Faker." And 168 well, open pull requests. Holy cow! Pop popped in there and said, uh, said he would take. I just assumed Taylor would put it under Laravel, but I guess not. Interestingly Taylor, enough, uh, not only did he not put it under Laravel, he ported it directly over maintaining the current versions as well. So all you have to do is change the endpoint in your composer JSON and update. And that's it. You don't have to do anything else in your code. Faker will still resolve correctly and be up to the latest version, mm-hmm. according to Taylor. Yeah, and he, so he kept the same namespace too, huh? The namespace was already just slash Faker. Oh, okay. So there was nothing to uh, rebrand. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, since we're talking about Taylor, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of the guy, but I got to give the guy credit where credit's deserved. I've had this on my Trello, Trello board for a while and haven't talked about it. So he's taking over Faker. He's he's going to continue to maintain Faker, whether it's him or, or Laravel uh, is another thing. But he also recently uh, partnered up with a, another person, Odo, O-T-T-O. Otto. Otto? You think that's Otto? Okay. And uh, offered financial support for the continuation of creating a PHP package for Debian. So the uh, the person who was doing it you know, mentioned that it was, you know, challenging and, and him and Otto uh, offered financial support to allow for the continuation of creating Debian packages for PHP 8. So that was very cool, I thought. I assume they f- followed through on it. I just I just saw the string where it was, it's all in GitHub. They kind of communicated to each other saying, hey, you know, how much do you need? And they both agreed to do a 50-50 split on it. So it was cool. PHP making PHP better. I like it. That's community. I missed it, though. Did you try to say his name? Otto? Yes. Is that not right? Oh, John clarified it for me. I think I said, oh, oh. I don't know what I said the first time. No, no, his last last name. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't didn't even attempt that. Do you know what it is? Uh, I can go to Google Translate as well, you bastard. Kekalainen? Kekalainen? I don't think that even close, man. Let me listen to it here. Kekalainen. Yeah, you were very close. Kekalainen. Finish. Do you know who that is? I do not. I do not, actually. Otto Kekalainen. Let me see. He's got to be somebody. He's got to be somebody in the PHP world. I think he's in the Debian world. He's he's a CEO at Seravo. He's also the author of MariaDB.org. Author at. I'm sorry. Author at MariaDB.org. Where's he the CEO at, John? Servo, 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 and I hadn't, I hadn't read it. They, they did all this in the, uh, in the GitHub issues, issues, yeah. Issues so if you read it, it's just adorable. Because <laughs> I don't think they knew each other. I, I think they just both offered to help in, in, in the issue. They said three k for for doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So premium hosting pretty- and upkeep for WordPress is what Servo offers. <sighs> interesting so cool people cool people doing cool things gotta like it yeah gotta like it gotta like it uh okay, are we done torturing people no nope, we're not done torturing people what last thing people. uh because we've brought it up so many times california's uh contractor code 
Oh, you're gonna uh, be able to you talk guys, about that. Okay. Last year, you guys were greatly, or was it two years ago? You guys were this greatly. Year, yeah. No, it was, it was this it year. It was this year. January, we had to convert all of our contractors to employees, which wasn't a huge deal for us. I mean, it, it definitely cost us money. It cost, it cut, cut into our profits, but it was actually a conversation John and I had had for years. On oh, they passed if this is the year. Son of a... I don't know the details, John. So here's the issue is that <laughs> this law was put in place in order to provide workers' rights for uh, at-will workers using apps to do stuff like Uber, DoorDash, uh, Lyft, things like that. Um, and as of Tuesday, since Proposition 22 passed, now the only companies that are not held liable under that law are Uber, DoorDash, Lyft, and other app-based companies. Right. So we it, so we are still... Me- yeah, it was meant to target them. We were caught up in that, and now right. they are not targeted by it. Yes. Now, uh, my, my understanding of it, my understanding of it, and I haven't read the details, I, I didn't realize we were going to dive into this, but there are some stipulations to it. Like, they have to offer a minimum pay... They have to offer. Uh, there were there were a couple things that I'm like, how are they going to do that? They can't even. Do I didn't. That. I did not see that anywhere in the, the research I did around it. Yeah, I I heard it on NPR this morning, so I have not I have not seen it. But there there were supposed to be some stipulations to it. So there yes. are there are three stipulations. Stipulations. One, the worker is free from the hiring company's control and direction in the performance of work. Two, the worker oh, is that's doing... That's part of being a contractor. Right. The worker is doing work that is outside the company's usual course of business. And three, the worker is engaged in an established trade, occupation, or business of the same nature as the work performed. That was Act B-5. That was the original act well, that was passed and defined... Well, those uh, are the, yeah, those, those are the requirements. That de- that defined a contractor, um, and that's the one that screwed you guys over. The mm-hmm. new proposition uh, defines app-based drivers as workers who provide delivery services on an on-demand basis through a business's online-enabled application or platform, or use a personal vehicle to provide pre-arranged transportation services for compensation via a business's online-enabled application or platform. A little bit more specific, why don't they? (laughs) So it specifically excludes DoorDash, Lyft, Uber, and they are no longer contract workers under Assembly Bill 5, which was the one you guys had to fall under. But but they do have to make a net earning of 120% of minimum wage for their mm-hmm. engaged time and 30 cents for mileage. They're not allowed to work yeah. more than 12 hours in any 24-hour period. Yeah, and to John's point, I mean, the, 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 the law was created to specifically target these companies. And other companies like ours got caught up in to having to adhere to the law. It costs us money. It continues to cost us money. It will always cost us money which is fine. Our employees didn't particularly want to become employees because they really liked being contractors, but they didn't have an option either. Um, it, you know, it is what it is, but it's funny to me that the law that now we have to adhere to that was meant for these guys, these guys don't have to adhere to it. There's a whole different well, implementation for them. Well, n- but now that I read this more, th- this is what I wanted was worrying about their pay, worrying about health care. So if they're working at least 24 hours per week during any calendar quarter, they're required to provide health care subsidies equal to 82% of the average 
premium each month. And if you're working 15 also, to 25 they also hours, get, they have to. I think they even get leave now, right? They, I think they get like sick leave or, or I don't know if they get vacation, but I think they get like some personal leave now as well. Uh, yeah. Some the, insurance. The issue yeah. there is that setting requirements like this just means that Uber has to implement uh, slightly different rules to make sure that they circumvent all of the law that they defined. You can only work 23 hours a week, not 24. Right. You know, That's like exactly that. what they're going to do. So yeah. it'll actually end up with more Uber drivers because they're just not going to allow you to work 24 hours in a week. Uh, yeah. And can you guess how much money was raised by Lyft, Uber, and DoorDash to advertise this in California? I would say $7.8 million. I would say higher. Really? Would you say astronomically higher? I don't know if I'd say astronomically, but I'm going to assume the correct answer is yes. <laughs> yes. What? Uh, $202 million. What? Were spent they could on... They paid all their Uber drivers. That's correct. Holy crap. That's the annoying part. Uh, the the they, yes side raised $187.5 The no side raised $15 million. That's a hard part. I don't know that people research the propositions enough. Well, that's what ads are for. They do the research I... for you. <laughs> it's heartbreaking yeah. that that joke actually lands. Because <laughs> it, it's... I mean, yeah, if you listen to somebody claiming to be a driver saying that I want to be able to set my own hours, vote yes. Guess what? It it sounds very legitimate. Guess what? This is even better. Spotify knows how old you are and is essentially the only place that younger voters hear, adver- hear or see advertisements. So when they spent that $187.5 million, it was targeted advertisements on Facebook, Spotify, and YouTube to people who they knew wouldn't do the research, but were likely voters in California and would empathize with poor little Uber getting squashed by big government. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I don't know what it was like for you in Colorado there, Thomas, but I have my gun. Let's not worry about that. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't have cable television anymore. So I do everything through uh, streaming services and I still get some commercials, but not many. But I, I didn't see a lot of ads, like a lot of campaign ads and stuff. Even driving around the streets, you'll see a, you'll see people have signs in, yeah. in the streets. You, you have the psycho Trump people on quarter corners, but that's been going on for four years. Like these, ugh, don't give me. I know, on these I know, I've seen it. But I went to Arizona a couple times before the election, and of course last week. And when I got there last week, it was like. The entire road leading up to my mom's house was campaign sign, campaign sign, campaign sign, campaign sign, campaign sign. Battleground state. Oh, my God. And the television, the television was just commercial after commercial, campaign ad, campaign ad, campaign Mm -hmm. ad. I'm like, my God. Oh, I hate it. hate it. Yeah, I was, over the last uh, week before the election, I was getting, I would say, seven text messages a day asking if I had voted and who I voted for. Oh, it would ask you who you voted for? Yeah, it's it, we're a very capitalist society. I was going to say divided, but it's capitalism encompasses the whole picture. No, we're we're definitely divided. I mean, I mean, Trump is very clear. We're divided. It's mm. it's him and them. 
You know, it's it's he, it, the the Republican Party doesn't even try to hide it anymore. I don't think it's, we're as we're divided in, as as they want us to think. Oh my god! All right, we're not going to go down here. No, there was a uh, there was a I don't want to say a prominent, but there was a very respected person in the Laravel community that made his vote known and disappointed a lot of people, including myself. Why why he made his why he chose to go the way he did and we don't need to i guess get into it here on the show but needless to say i i looked at his twit twitter timeline I'm like he doesn't say anything of value to me i'm gonna unfollow him but i mean the guy had like guy has like ten thousand followers i don't think and he didn't follow me back either so it's not like he <laughs> noticed you know but it was just one of those things where it's why i stopped doing facebook i just can't what? handle this way of this way people think would you like some good politics news to close us out. I think that would be very, very well placed. Let's do it. Give me something good. We have our fourth astronaut public representative, uh, Democrat Mark Kelly is taking the Arizona Senate position. That, that was one of the ones I saw commercial for after commercial for. Yeah. Uh, So yay science. That's interesting because we needed, uh, you know, we talk about the presidency a lot, but we also needed the Senate and we didn't get, I mean, when I say we, the Democrats needed the Senate and they didn't even get close to getting the Senate. It's Uh, still up in the air. I don't think so. And remember that the Senate in a split decision is decided by the vice president. Your point being, (laughs) Oh, you're assuming, you're assuming if, uh, if, uh, if the Democrats, Democrats if the Democrats take the white house, then that's, a count for the Senate seat in a split decision. Gotcha. I gotcha. So it's worth noting because right now the Senate is still tied at 47, 47. And, and the, and the Democrats all almost lost the house. I mean, that's still going on. That that's a very, very real possibility. Yes. Uh, 35 incumbents up for election on the Republican side and every single one of them won their house seat. Yep. And, no, two two lost two lost their seats, and then seven Democrats lost their seats. Maybe I'm thinking of the Senate side. Then you might have be thinking of the Senate. Yeah. There's, I mean, it's yeah. just that's the thing about what's been going on is there's so many, there's so much numbers and predictions and algorithms flying around, keeping this stuff straight, and like why each. I have such incredible respect for the news anchors that have been covering this because the volume of information that they have. Mental to access this. to, yeah. It's... This is launch day for them. Oh yeah, man. they're getting overtime. Go live. Sure. Yeah, they they love this stuff. So. All right, I think that's. It. I, I don't. I'm not sure how that was ending on a positive note, but uh, astronaut. We'll be, we'll be astronaut science. Yay! Oh, I forgot to switch the OBS scene. I got so excited. We'll be we'll be back next week. Uh, uh, let's let's throw it to completed. Patreon first. Thank you. Am I supposed to say thank you all the time? Can you yes. Say, thank you, our patrons. Huge we thank do, you to our patrons. Huge thank you. I think we need. I think we need PHP ugly elephants. I think that's what we need. If you want to be removed so, from our Patreon thank you page, that is only ten dollars. <laughs> We should make that a reward level to be taken off. Un- unlisted. <laughs> that would be awesome. I love it. We can have uh, we can have multiple one dollar reward levels. One where you get acknowledged, and one where you don't. <laughs> no, I like your idea. Make make it you know, make it higher higher price. Absolutely, yeah. Don't mention me. Keep me private. <laughs> All right, I think that's it. Are we good, John? 
You have anything good. else you want to uh, contribute? I'm in, I'm in the middle of possibly buying something. <laughs> of course. Wait a minute. What did we talk about that you're buying? Is it geeky? What do you mean? Why do we have to buy? Why do we have to talk about it for me to buy it? Is it geeky? Maybe. Let bring it off air. <laughs> Off, after the after the sign off, close it off. It, Eric, say goodbye. No, Ra- no welfare. Okay, R- Raspberry Pi. Ah, you in the keyboard? Did you find someone with the keyboard? This one Thomas pointed out. Oh my god! All right, fine. Okay, that's it. Episode two hundred and twelve is in the can. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep, Keep it, it ugly. ugly. One two one two. Ah, uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host named Thomas, cause he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet, unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot. I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me. Shouts out to PHP, the ugly. It's called ugly because it's not professional. But I'm about to come through and bless it with style. So let's do it when I'm spitting. I perfume the room. Yo, the segment of the show is called Doom and Gloom. That came from Thomas. Yeah, can nobody go beyond this? I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise. Yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish. We talking about the PHP, the programming language. About to break it down, no exaggeration. What do y'all do for a living web application? Okay, I can dig it, my words spray tight Uh, they getting together on the Thursday nights Yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube So let's get it, you know my lyrics are major All up in the comments, they got plenty of haters But they doing what they doing, keep it ugly We ending every show with the saying it's lovely Let's go Yeah, come on